Welcome back, Scripture Talkers, and welcome if you're new here. My name is Leash, and I am your host. <laughs> Just a little background about me. I am 29 years young. I have a seven-month-old son, and I love Jesus. And um, I'm hoping today that we can dive into following Christ um, the second part, and just dive into it a little bit deeper. So if you remember last week, we discussed uh, following Christ, and we talked about the basics, which are denying yourself, um, you know, taking up your own cross, and what it kind of looks like to do that. This week, we're going to dive into the second part, which is the narrow gate, uh, and I've split this up into two parts, basically. Um, the first part is talking about the narrow gate in the Bible, what it really means, and then also what the narrow gate looks like as you follow Christ and what it means. Um, this is not to scare anyone or to make anyone think or feel like you're on the wrong path, but as all these Bible study sessions and scripture talks are to do, they're to have you evaluate yourself, your heart, and then you determine based on what the Holy Spirit is saying to you where you are currently and what adjustments you may need to make or what adjustments you may not need to make. I'm a strong believer that we are all here. Um, we are all here and we all need perfection until we leave this earth. Like we, we are constantly being perfected. We constantly need it. So even for myself, as I'm going through these scriptures, even as I was studying, you know, there's areas that I see like, oh, I need to adjust this. I'll go ahead and tell you guys right now for the majority of my life, obedience obedience, obedience to God was <laughs> something that I was, oh, I struggled with this a long time. I still struggle today. Don't think at all that, of course, my phone would go off while I'm recording and it's on silent. So I don't understand. I'm so sorry, guys. Um, but yeah, so obedience, <laughs> that's, that's it for me. Um, what are some of the things that maybe you struggle with with your walk? Definitely feel free to either list it down below or um, if you're listening to this like on Anchor, send me a voice note. If you're listening to this or if you have my Instagram, send me a message there. Um, I love to hear from you guys. I love your feedback and input. And um, I'm going to use this around the structure for the podcast because this is a community. This is not just the Alicia says so. It is what it is. Um, this is definitely a community that I want among us. The only thing that's going to stand firm and stand solid on is the word of God. And we're going to take everything to the word. Um, so with that being said, <laughs> let's dive in. Let's dive right in. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I never would have imagined that I would have had my first podcast published to Spotify, Google Podcasts. Pocket Cast, and it's pending for Apple Podcasts right now. Like, that's super exciting and amazing. Um, but you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And I think that that is such an amazing thing in a world where everything is deemed for those who honestly have like a lot of followers. Anchor gives you an opportunity to let your voice be heard and make money, even if you only have 10 listeners. <laughs> and it's everything that you need to make a podcast in one place. You literally don't have to do anything else outside of the app. Um, as you go along with it, of course, you can always buy tools, but it literally has everything that you need and it makes everything so seamless and easy. Um, what you should do today is go ahead and download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It's a simple process, takes less than 15 minutes to sign up, and I hope that uh, I'll be listening to you soon.
All right, so today we are going to be starting off in Luke. Uh, this is going to be chapter 13 and verse 23. And we're going to go through uh, verses 28 as well, but I might end up, you know, stopping here and there as well. We'll just see how this goes. <laughs> uh, before we do get into uh, reading today, though, and just this whole Bible study, I uh, wanted to first and foremost thank everyone that listened to the first podcast of How to Follow Jesus. If you are new here and you weren't able to tune in last week, I highly encourage once you're done today to go and just take a listen, see if you get anything from it. Um, I feel like you will be blessed from it. And then um, next, I do want to just open up in prayer. <laughs> um, so Abba, today we come to you with open hearts. Uh, Holy Spirit, we ask that you do a quick work in our heart. Help us to be good ground today so that the word received will take root and it'll grow within our hearts. It'll come out as fruit in our spirits in Jesus name. We give you all the glory, the honor and praise. Amen. All right. So this week's quote is from Charles Stanley and he says, a disciple is a follower of Christ. That means you take on his priorities as your own. His agenda becomes your agenda his mission becomes your mission. And um, I really like this quote because it fits directly into what we're talking about with following Christ with last week discussing true repentance and this week talking about the narrow gate. I felt it, it fit right in. <laughs> so hopefully you guys enjoy that there. But as I said, we are going to start with Luke. Um, it's going to be Luke 13, 23 through verse 28. I'll give you a moment to get there. Hopefully everyone had enough time to get there. If not, just write it down and go reference it later. I'm going to read it for you anyways. So the method here, if this is your first time listening, I always do the King James Version first, and then I go to the Amplified Version secondly. If you're using another version, that's perfectly fine. Um, I strongly encourage to read other versions aside from the King James and aside from the Amplified because you might get a different revelation or even a, you know, a more clearer revelation depending on the way that you process and understand. These are just the two that I enjoy because uh, some things with the King James is very, very different <laughs> than other versions. And um, I just like to always use that as a point of reference so I can see how far off something is um, but without further ado so Luke 13 verse 23 KJV says then said one unto him Lord are there few that be saved and he said unto them strive to enter in at the straight gate for many I say unto you will seek to enter in and shall not be able when once the master of the house is risen up and hath shut to the door and ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence you are. Then you shall begin to say, We have eaten and drank in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not. Whence you are, depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. And Amplified says it like this. <clears throat> and someone asked him, Lord, will only a few be saved from the penalties of the last judgment? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door, force aside unbelief and the attractions of sin, 
For many, I tell you, will try to enter by their own works and will not be able. Once the head of the house gets up and closes the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock on the door again and again, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you. I do not know where you are from, for you are not of my household. Then you will begin to say, we are, and, or excuse me, we ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say to you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. In that place there will be weeping and sorrow and pain and grinding of teeth and distress and anger. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but yourselves being thrown out and driven away. And people will come from east and west and from north and south, and they will sit down and feast at the table in the kingdom of God. So a few different things I wanted to go over here and point out, because a lot of people, uh, I think, definitely get this twisted. And I'm going to show you how this still applies to following Christ, (laughs) y'all. So I want to knock down uh, uh, some mindsets here that think that this has to do with the current day church. In a sense, it does. Because um, the principle of it is the same, so it still applies today. But I do want to point out the fact that when he was speaking this right here, he was speaking to, you know, the present day Jew in that time frame. So if you um, if you put yourself in the mindset and the, the time frame of where Jesus was back then, you have to understand Jesus was very radical and... Believing in what he said, you borderline, you you were losing <laughs> your right standing with God, basically, because <laughs> some man is coming to this earth saying that he is God. Matter of fact, God sent him here as his son to tell you about him. Like, if you think about it in a religious mindset, everything you just said was crazy. But if you truly knew God, if you had a relationship with him for real, if you were you know, Jew and reading your scrolls, then you knew everything that he came, he fulfilled. Uh, He was born of a Virgin Mary in the town of Bethlehem. That was scriptural. I think Isaiah prophesied about Jesus, the Messiah coming. And um, then he grew up in Nazareth. That was also prophesied. Then um, he was a carpenter. That was also prophesied. So as you start following this man's journey, you should be saying, hmm, every single prophecy about him is you know, on point, and he's literally not doing anything evil, actually. If you really look at the word, he's he's actually not going against it. He's saying things that are exactly like what the word says. So um, this is pretty much what this, what this section is, is for, is for those Jews in that time frame that um, really weren't going to be able to believe because they were so wrapped up in their religious uh, precepts and, you know, I got to keep, you know, commandment one through 10. They were so focused on keeping them the commandments because the commandments, quote unquote, were what saved them, were what made them right with God. And <laughs> Jesus came to pretty much show them that, no, that's not true. The reason why you have to still make a sacrifice for a lamb or, um, you know, uh, the, the doves or we are not the dove, excuse me, the pigeons or whatever the case may be is because in the Rams, you know, is because you are not right. There's nothing within you yourself that can ever make you right. You can keep all 10 commandments outwardly, but inwardly, you don't have no fellowship with me. You don't know me. You have no desire for me. So in here, he's literally talking about those 
people. And that's why he says they will seek to enter into verse 24. That's the KJV. Amplified says, um, what does it say? It says they'll try to enter in by their own works and will not be able to. Because that's what the law did. The law put it on them. But the whole point of the law was to show people that there's no way you can keep this. You cannot do it on your own. You need God to enable you to do it. You have to have a savior, someone who can come do it for you. And that was the whole point of Jesus. Um, that's the whole point of Jesus coming, you guys. If you didn't know, spoiler alert. <laughs> um, yeah, so this in itself, like the narrow gate in this aspect of it is not for present day Christians. So all of you that are out there <laughs> and you are afraid that you're not going to heaven because uh, you know, it's so hard to get into heaven and I, I'm following God. I'm listening to his voice. I'm heeding his instruction, but I still don't know. No, that's a lie from the enemy. Okay. <laughs> because um, the word says, and I want to say it is Romans five and one. Um, but it says that we therefore now have no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Um, he is our righteousness. He is our proportion. He is our sanctification. He is what purifies us before God. So, um, yeah, in that aspect, if you are truly in Christ, <laughs> you, you are on the road, you, you, are, you enter the narrow gate. Okay. So that's about why rightly dividing the word right there, right there. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's what that's about. Um, another scripture for reference, if you're looking for, um, this narrow gate, Matthew, uh, seven, 13 through 14 and then Matthew 7 21 through 23 it says the same thing except Matthew um 21 through 23 um it actually goes on to say that not everyone who says to me not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my father who is in heaven and then also it goes on to say, many people will say on that day, hey, Lord, I prophesied for you. You know, I did miracles for you. I healed the sick, blah, blah. Um, and he's going to say, I don't know you. <laughs> and so, again, it's, it's all about the heart posture. It's not about, of course, him not knowing you because clearly God knows everyone in the world. He knows everyone's name. It's about that relationship <laughs> and that seeking after. And that's what we're seeking today as we're following Christ and we're trying to figure out, well, what narrow gate, what narrow road are we talking about here? I just wanted to clarify because the scripture gets misinterpreted so, so often, but it's very clear if you read the passage before and the passage after, and that's... um. My best tip for you when you're reading scripture, especially if you're new in Christ, or even if you are seasoned in Christ, anytime you're reading a scripture, read the verses beforehand, read the verses afterhand to make sure you're interpreting it correctly and just in the natural. And then always invite the Holy Spirit to reveal himself through his word to you. Ask him to show you what it is that you're supposed to see and understand and know uh, in in that in that context there. Because taking the word out of context is the devil's playground. He came and did it to Jesus when Jesus was tempted. And I believe, I think Matthew talks about Jesus being tempted when he went into the wilderness. The enemy came with him with scripture. He said, um, uh, so you, now we're gonna have to go there. <laughs> Hold on. All right, so I got it. It's um, Matthew 4, when Jesus is led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And so we are just going to start at verse 3. And it says, The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. 
Jesus replied, it is written and forever remains written. Man should not live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And that's from Deuteronomy 8 and 3. And then it says in verse 5, Then the devil took him into the holy city, Jerusalem, and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said mockingly to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to serve, care for, protect, and watch over you. And they will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And that was in Psalms 91.11 and Psalm 91.12. So right there, it shows that um, the scripture outside of context <laughs> is, is very con. <laughs> um, no, but it's, it's very, um, it can be very misleading and deceiving. And that's why it's so, so important to get into God's word, to truly know him, his voice, how he sounds, how he moves, because the enemy is not going to come to you like, uh, you know, <laughs> if he knows you're in God, he knows you're pursuing God. He's not going to come looking like the enemy. He's going to come trying to imitate and look like God, like he did to Jesus, even when he was tempted. But Jesus knew the word inside and out because Jesus was the living word. So it wasn't no way the enemy could screw with him like that. <laughs> but all that I'm saying is that um, the word outside of its context it, it can definitely be deceiving and the enemy can use it because he can't quote the scripture in full because that's truth. The enemy has no truth in him. All he can do is lie. <laughs> All he can do is lie. So he can't say a scripture in full. He can't put it in context. He has to take it out of context so that it can, you know, make whatever. So when you see, um, sometimes it happens with us, unfortunately, but even, you know, others where they may take a scripture to justify them, you know, even sinning, unfortunately, but to justify them doing whatever. Always read the, like I said, the, the scriptures before, the scriptures after, and after. <laughs> Always read the scriptures before and the scriptures after, and it'll give you a good context of what it is. And then, like I said, always, always, always ask the Holy Spirit to come um, with you in your readings and with you in your time with God to just reveal himself. And it's not even that he has to come because if you're born again, he is within you, but you're just pretty much inviting him here, inviting his presence here, right? Just like if you were to sit down and watch a movie at home by yourself, uh, let's say you want your friend to join you, but your friend's not going to know, you know, unless you give him a call. Same concept with the Holy Spirit, except he knows, but also you're kind of um, giving him permission to show you what he needs to show you. And I'm not saying that he can't show you what he needs to show you if you don't, but I am saying that I've seen greater revelations and travel deeper into the word when I do invite him into my studies. That's all that I'm saying. Only putting it out there. You don't have to take it. But if you don't take it, you know, you just dropping some knowledge. You, you dropping it. <laughs> um, all right. So that is the scripture, though, that I just wanted to reference um, in regards to the narrow gate and what most people will say when you're looking at that. Now, the narrow gate that we're looking at here <laughs> is um, is referenced in 1 Thessalonians 2 and 12, and then 1 John um, 2, 5 through 6. And 1 Thessalonians 2 and 12, it talks about living lives of moral courage, and I'll just read it. Um, let's see here. So it says, to live lives of honor, moral courage, and personal integrity worthy of the God who saves you and calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And um, I'm just going to stop there. That That's pretty much what we're talking about. Um, also, Galatians 5, 16 through 26. Um, I'll turn there really quickly and read that one for you as well. Um, 
So, and I'm reading out the Amplified right now, just so you guys know, just because the Amplified for this, I feel like it translates directly from the Greek and Hebrew a lot better than the King James Version. Again, feel free to read whichever version that you're reading. But um, Galatians 5.16 says, but I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit, seek him and be responsive to his guidance. And then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God and his precepts. For the sinful nature has this desire, which is opposed to the spirit, and the desire of the spirit opposes the sinful nature. For these two, the sinful nature and the spirit, are in direct opposition to each other, continually in conflict, so that you as believers do not always do whatever good things you want to do. But if you are guided and led by the spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the practices of the sinful nature are clearly evident. They are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, total irresponsibility, lack of self-control, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions that promote heresies, envy, drunkenness, riotous behavior, and other things like these. I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of His presence within us, is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature together with its passions and appetites. If we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, we must also walk by the Spirit with personal integrity, godly character, and moral courage. Our conduct, our conduct <laughs> empowered by the Holy Spirit. All right, so... Very clearly here, Paul discusses this is the path we are to take. This is the role we are. And um, not to get confused, you guys, with the, the verses we pointed out earlier with Luke 13, 23, and then Matthew 7, 13 through 23. Um, those verses, they still can be applied to today, but they're not for uh, believers who are in Christ. Um, those still apply to those people who are working to try to get into heaven, you know, they may believe that they're saved because they said it with their mouth, they believed it with their mind, but they didn't let it take place in their heart to be a transformation. And you'll know the difference because those are the people that still live in sin. Those are the people that will find Bible verses to try to justify the way that they're living so that they don't have to change. If you are a Christian, if you are born again, I don't care if you're born again today after listening to this podcast or if you have been born again for 20 years. If you are a Christian and you're born again and you stumble into something, I am not speaking to you. Do not take this to you. <laughs> I am speaking about those that, you know, <laughs> uh, they live a life of sin. They're not living a life submitted to Christ. Those are the ones who they, quote unquote, try to earn God's uh, God's righteousness, God's goodness, God's favor outwardly. But inwardly, again, he doesn't know them. He knows those who let him dwell in their hearts. And as a result, he works on us. Now, of course, if you're a Christian and you're you're trying to, you know, move through whatever sinful thing it could be, it could be sex, it could be lying, it could be um, it could be gluttony. It could be homosexuality. It can be whatever the case may be. Um, if you're, you're working through that with Christ, that, that's not what I'm saying. That, that is not for you. 
I'm talking about those that are not trying to do that. They don't have that. I need to repent or I am repentant and um, I'm turning away from it because there's a complete difference from repenting truly, turning away from sin and then, you know, taking a step, a stumble and you're getting back up and going the right way versus those that, you know, just they, they don't see any any way. And I'm going to be honest, I was like that for years. I um I was living a life of sin and I always in the back back of my mind I was like oh this isn't wrong or excuse me this isn't right I know this is wrong but also I had no want to change it does that make sense like I would have maybe periods and moments in time where I was like man I really got to stop this but at the same time I would have periods where I was like no and I didn't really take a lot of effort to stop it until something really happened in my life and that's when I made a decision to pursue God for real so that was like the first stepping stone and that's when I truly believe that I became saved. But we're not having my testimony just yet. I can share my testimony. I uh, still got testimony that I'm going through. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that's just to be clear. that That's what that passage is, is meaning for. It's not for anyone that's truly in Christ. Because, again, in Christ we have um, total freedom and we also have peace with God. We know that we can boldly approach his throne. And um, just so you all know, especially you you all who may be, uh, you know, new to the word or those of you who um, just may not be, you know, again, familiar with the word that much. A lot of what I say is scripture. Um, you just would have to Google it because <laughs> um, I don't always know where to find the scripture, but I will just say it. So like what I just stated saying that um, we have peace with God, we can boldly approach his throne. That's scripture. Paul said it. Um, it's in the New Testament. I don't know where to find it right now. <laughs> but if you want that scripture, if it speaks to you, if that's something you need to meditate on, because maybe the enemy's been lying to you about, um, you know, where you are in Christ and your relationship with him, I encourage you to go Google it and um, meditate on it. Meditate on it every single time that, you know, that thought or that mindset tries to come back into you and declare it boldly. No, God said that I have peace with him through reconciliation with Christ Jesus because of the blood that Jesus, you know, shed for me. I can boldly approach his throne of grace and ask for mercy if needed. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. That's not dependent on me. That's dependent on him and his forever seated position. So I'm good, homeboy. <laughs> um, but anyway, you I mean, that's how you got to tell him sometimes. But Moving forward, so um, I did want to also just give you guys some scriptures to reference um, in regards to uh, the narrow walk that we are on, and that's also Isaiah 35 and 8, 1 John 2, 5 through 6, and then James 4, 4. Now, James 4, 4 is more so talking about how um, the walk that we're on, we're not like everyone else. You know, the Bible says that we're in the world, but we're not of the world, right? And um, James 4, 4 kind of just builds on that. It talks about how um, a friend of the world is an enemy of God. A friend of the world is an enemy of God. <laughs> so that means that our thought processes, our morals, our values, especially now in this day and age, they're going to be different from others. And we're in a time where um, the Bible even says that, you know, um, husband and wife may revolt against each other, child against, you know, father and mother, mother against child, brother against sister. 
And um, Jesus even said it, I believe it was in Matthew. He says, I don't come to bring peace. I come um, so that, you know, I come with a sword. And he said that sister and brother and mother and father, you know, everyone will kind of be at a rift. And now he was talking about, you know, what he was saying in his coming back then. But it still applies with the true gospel. Um, it definitely heals. It brings those there that have an open heart to it. But those that do not, those that reject it, they will hate you for it. And they are, you'll know because they'll be quick to call you any and every name of the book. They'll be quick to try to um, logically, quote unquote, debate you and make you make sense of God. And it's just that some of the things of God, yeah, we can definitely logically think about. But a lot of things of God are of faith. And they don't make sense to the natural human mind. And that's how he had it set up. Because he wants those who truly want him, who truly seek him, to find him. And James 4 and 8 also references and says that. Uh, it's about drawing near to God. It says, uh, those that draw near to God, God draws near to them. It doesn't say God draws near to them and then they not draw near to God. No. <laughs> he already drew near to us first by giving us his son when we were sinful Every evil, crazy thing that we have done, every sinful thing that we have done, where Jesus died on the cross, he took it upon himself. <laughs> and God made that plan before the world even started so that Jesus could always uh, save us and redeem us from our lost and wicked ways. <laughs> and so, um, long story short, <laughs> you hear me say that a lot. I, it's just my term. I, I have a habit of making short stories long and long stories even longer uh so y'all just get ready for that but <laughs> but um yeah long story short god already drew near to us first by giving us um by giving us his son so there not that there's any nothing else he needs to do but he already drew near to us first so what's left for us to do is to draw near to god now we draw near to God, and then he draws near to us. That's just, the way it's, that's just the way it's set up at this point in time. Um, and so also when it comes to, hold on. All right, so as we draw near to God, um, we are then going to be able to be that good ground. And scriptures for reference for this are going to be Mark 4, 2 through 20, and then Luke 6, 47 and 48. And <clears throat> so Mark 4, 2 through 20 says, And he taught them many things in parables, and his teaching, um, he said to them, Listen, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass as he sowed. Some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some an hundred. And he said unto him, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Okay. And then in verse 11, it says, unto you, it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom, but unto them that are without all these things are done in parable that seeing they may see and not perceive and hearing they may hear and not understand lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. 
you might hear that and be like, wait, hold on, what? Lest they should be converted and their sins forgiven? Wait, is God saying he doesn't want sins forgiven? Is, is God saying he doesn't want them to be saved? Uh, <laughs> stay tuned so you can hear the answer. He answers himself in the next few verses. All right. And so he goes on to explain it. Um, and also that, um, that, that is referenced in Isaiah 6 and 9. But um, so he goes on to explain it. He says, the sower soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves. And so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And um, the Amplified says, and he taught them many things in parables, and in this teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow a seed, and as he was sowing, some seed fell by the road, and the birds came up and ate it up. Other seed fell on rocks where there was not much soil, and immediately a plant sprang up because the soil had no depth. And when the sun came up, the plant was scorched, and because it had no root, it dried up and withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell into good soil, and as the plants grew and increased, they yielded a crop and produced thirty, sixty, and a hundred times as much as had been sown. And then he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear and heed my words. He said to them, The mystery of the kingdom of God has been given to you who have teachable hearts. But those who are outside the unbelievers, the spiritually blind, get everything in parables so that they will continually look but not see and they will continually hear but not understand. Otherwise, they might turn from the rejection of the truth and be forgiven. Now, Matthew 13, 11 through 15 discusses this, too. Um, but then he goes on to explain it. Amplified says the sower sows the word of God, the good news regarding the way of salvation. These in the first group are the ones along the road where this where the word is sown. But when they hear say, ah, <laughs> but when they hear Satan immediately comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. In a similar way, these in the second group are the ones on whom seed was sown on rocky ground, who, when they heard the word, immediately receive it with joy, but accepted only superficially, and they have no root in themselves. So they endure only for a little while. Then when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, immediately they are offended and displeased at being associated with me and stumble and fall away. And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries and cares of the world, the distractions of this age with its worldly pleasures and the deceitfulness and the false security or glamour of wealth or fame and the passionate desires for all the other things creep in and choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful. And those in the last group are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil and they hear the word of God, the good news regarding the way of salvation and accept it and bear fruit. 30, 60, and 100 times as much as was sown. All right, so um, basically, 
Jesus explained it very clearly. I can't even explain it even better than he did, of course. Like, he, he did what he was supposed to do. Um, but if you, if you don't understand that still, basically, um, there's good ground. There's those who take his word. They allow it to enter their hearts. They allow themselves to reflect on it. And then there are those who um, are called bad ground. And for whatever reason, whether it be that after they hear the word, it doesn't really enter their heart or maybe it enters their mind, but not their heart, which is why when the cares of this world come, it's, you know, they can't be found standing on his word. They're always going to a worldly vice or a worldly type decision instead of seeking God out for it. Um, Those are basically, in summary, what he said there. Like I said, he did a way better job than I ever could have explaining it. He's Jesus. Um, But uh, once we draw near to God, once we truly seek him, we get his word, right? Because his word gets into us. And we should be trying to be that good ground. Um, If there's an area in your life where you're maybe realizing that you're not good ground, and ask God, how can I be good ground? And more so not even how, because in Christ, we are everything we we are. Everything that we need is in him. So just pray to him, Lord, thank you that I am good ground. Thank you that my heart is open and receptive for your word. I thank you that your word is taking deep root within me and it's growing and it's manifesting and it's going to bear its fruit. It's going to be 30 fold, 60 fold, 100 fold to do your will, to do your purpose. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the next step basically after drawing near to God is just being that good ground. And all that you'd have to do to be that good ground is to be in Christ, trust him, meditating on his word and allowing it to reflect into you. Now, in those situations, it is very easy to have your first reaction as, um, you know, what we are, we're used to in our flesh. But that's why we we fight to enter the rest. We don't fight against these things that come our way and stuff like that with um our own strength we go to the word we take it to the word and we choose to use the word and when we choose that that's all our fight is we take it to god we use his word that's what the fight is we don't have to do anything else in the natural unless god instructs you to do it Um, and then lastly applying his word and all of this collectively is how you enter the narrow gate the narrow road the narrow path and how you stay on it Um, but you apply his word and that's what i already kind of talked about but that um that goes to scriptures for reference here are going to be Matthew 23, 23 through 28, um, Luke 6, 46 through 49, John 14, 23 to, through 24, and then 1 John 3, 8 through 10. I'm not going to have enough time to read all of those. I am just going to um, quickly read Matthew 23, um, 23, 23, and, uh, 23, 23 through 28. Um, and it says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. Hypocrites, for you pay a tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought yet to have ooh, these ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow at a camel, or excuse me, and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, clean cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. 
<laughs> Jesus used to be going off. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. I'm sorry. Um, God just be going off. Like, <laughs> oh man. Okay, so that was the King James Version. Amplified says, Woe to you, self-righteous scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you give a tenth tithe of your men and deal in cumin, focusing on minor matters, and have neglected the weightier and more important moral and spiritual provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the primary things you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You spiritually blind guides who strain out a gnat, consuming yourself with minuscule matters, and swallow a camel, ignoring and violating God's precepts. Woe to you, self-righteous scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the plate, but inside they are full of exhaustion and robbery and self-indulgence, unrestrained greed. You spiritually blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and of the plate, examine and change your inner self to conform to God's precepts, so that the outside, your public life and deeds may be clean also. Woe to you, self-righteous scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. So you also outwardly seem to be just and upright to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Man, Jesus was harsh. <laughs> he was real, but he was, he was, he was real. That's what it is. He was real. And he always addresses the core, the root issue, which is why I love him because he be hitting me all the time. Not like that, of course, because <laughs> when he comes to you, when you're in Christ, he is gentle, he is loving, he is kind, but he's still going to let you know about yourself. It's going to be in whatever way that you can handle it. Some people can handle him talking to them a little bit harsher. Some people can't. He knows you so well that he knows how to talk to you. But anyway, <laughs> um, in this verse here itself, this I use this as an example for applying his word because these individuals, um, they read his word. They read, you know what I'm saying, the scrolls at that time. They knew it, but they didn't apply it in their lives. And this is what he's talking about. Um, that's why he's saying they need to go clean themselves up, examine themselves, fix themselves, <laughs> which is basically applying his word and walking that out first. And then they'll be able to do whatever it is that they're supposed to be. And these are supposed to be people... Um, that are like, this is the present day pastors and ministers and, you know, people in ministry. That's the equivalent of the Pharisees and scribes, except they're even higher because um, they had laws and stuff and they could put you in jail and stuff like that. If you abuse them, they could even kill you. <laughs> um, so I hope you guys enjoy this here today. I know this was maybe a little too quick. Um, maybe not too quick. I'm not sure what time it is right now. I'm not really keeping track. It seems like it went by really quickly for me. But in summary, um, how to follow Jesus and how to ensure that you're following Christ is just to take up your cross daily. That is simply denying yourself, saying yes to God, yes to his will, yes to his way, and saying no to those things that you want to do over his will, right? So for example, if God tells you to do A, you say Yes, I'm going to do A instead of going and doing B. And that can be, it can look like anything. It could be from moving somewhere. It can be from dating this person. It can be from taking that job opportunity. It can be from responding to that text. Let me tell you, if he said don't respond to that text, please do not open that door. 
<laughs> I'm trying to tell you I, I didn't learn some lessons. But um, <laughs> so it's just denying yourself. You're t- that's how you take up your cross daily. Um, it's important to do that because he will never lead you astray. His way is perfect. His way is always better than what your way and your intentions are because he's perfect and he knows the end from the beginning. So he's never going to steer you wrong. It may hurt your flesh in the moment, but in the end, it's going to be so beautiful and so worth it. You're going to be so happy that you follow God. You cannot speak to anyone that said they follow God wholeheartedly and they regretted it. You will not find anyone on this earth that said they actually followed God wholeheartedly and they regretted it. Point them out to me. Because if they say that, they're lying. I'm telling you right now. (laughs) And then, of course, for part two today that we just covered with the narrow gate, um, entering the narrow gate, we covered exactly what that looks like, which is just basically we're making sure that we're living based on God's word, his morals, what he wants, not on the world. And that's how we separate ourselves. But we also found consolation and confidence in knowing that if we are in Christ, we know that we are walking on that narrow road, that narrow path. Um, we don't have to worry about what he was mentioning in Luke 13, um, 23 and Matthew 7, because that applied to those fair those Jews and Pharisees and Sadducees of that time. Um, and since we're in Christ, we do believe him. We do trust him. We allow him to work within us. And if that isn't you just yet, hey, ask him today. I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end to, to come inside, to make you new so that you can surrender those areas to him again. Um, then last few things here. Um, and seeking Christ, um, the way that we, we draw near to God um, or the way that we kind of stay on that that narrow path is that we seek him, we draw near to him. And as we draw near to God, he draws near to us. We uh, allow ourselves to be that good ground that he needs um, to really help us to apply his word and then for his word to take root and to grow. So I hope this blessed you all here. Um, I want to thank you all for listening in. And um, now I'm going to give an opportunity for those who do not know Christ to know Christ. All right. So if you're still here, you're still listening. It means that either you do not know Christ at this point or you want to make sure that you do know Christ or maybe you did know Christ. Maybe you were on fire for him, but you feel like maybe you lost your fire and you just want to get back on track to him uh, on track with him here today. So we are just going to pray. And I want you to say this out loud. It can be if you're listening to this on a plane or a train or somewhere out in public, you don't have to yell it from the top of your lungs. It's just more importantly to speak it out and to believe it with your heart. Okay. (laughs) And so Heavenly Father, uh, we come to you today. We give you all glory. We give you all honor. The Lord of our God, Jesus Christ. Today, Lord, we are speaking out that we recognize and we know Christ Jesus who came to earth as a man, the son of God. We speak that he is our Lord. He is our King. And we invite his Holy Spirit now to take presence in us. We believe that you died and you rose from the grave. And just like that, you are saved. The Bible says that you are saved. (laughs) His Holy Spirit is within you now. Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit even now seals them up. Let him give them a a tangible feeling of your presence and your love. Let them feel your peace right in this moment in Jesus' name. Let your peace flow. Let your joy flow. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. Um, 
And so that's it, you guys. Y'all are saved. <laughs> I am celebrating with you. Um, if you do not have a Bible um, or if you just want a Bible um, that already has some highlights in it and some good points pointed out and tabbed up for you, uh, please feel free to reach out to me. My Instagram here is a Leash Talk Scripture. That's Leash Talk Scripture. You can also reach out to me via email, which is Bible Study Scripture uh, Talks at gmail.com or you can just simply send me a text let me know that hey i need a bible <laughs> um and the number that you'll be texting is 813-603-7932 um look forward to hearing from you soon i'm just going to pray us out now and so i pray today that uh christ the lord of our god jesus christ uh keeps you from all harm and danger that you receive his spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him and that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened, flooded with his light so that you may know what is the hope of his calling and the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints and the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. In Jesus' mighty name, we give you all the glory and all the praise and all the honor. Amen. So uh, we are done. Next week, we are going to be talking about guarding your thoughts. So make sure to tune in. Thank you guys all for listening. I love you and Jesus loves you more.